Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I want to tell you about this story I heard about this man who bought a parrot and it was a beautiful parrot. Uh, The parrot had a really bad mouth. Uh, He would swear every five minutes straight. Well, the man was embarrassed because the bird would swear in front of other people and He tried to appeal to the bird by asking him to clean up his language, but the bird promised to change, but nothing really ever happened. As a matter of fact, the swearing increased in the volume and the frequency. And finally, it got to be too much, and the guy grabbed the bird by the throat, and he started shaking it, and he yelled at it, and he said, quit it. But the bird got angrier, and he continued to swear. And the man got fed up, and he locked the bird in the cabinet. And the birds started making all kinds of racking in the cabinet and throwing around stuff and moving things and shaking up. And the man took the bird out of the cabinet and he put it in the freezer. Well, the first few minutes, the birds screamed and squawked and then silence. The guy started to wonder if the bird was hurt. And so he got worried and he opened the freezer door. The bird calmly climbed onto the man's outstretched arm and said, I'm really sorry for the trouble I make a solemn promise and a vow to clean up my language. The man was shocked. He couldn't believe the transformation as a result of being in the freezer for a few minutes. And then the bird turned to the man and said, I just have one question for you. What did the chicken do? Get it, frozen chicken in the fridge. Okay. <laughs> so, Nehemiah. Oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Nehemiah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been laughing at that joke all day long. I just kept laughing every time I tried to study, and I just kept going back to that joke. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Nehemiah uh, chapter 10 uh, is a chapter where the people are making promises and making vows and oaths. Uh, If you've been with us in the book of Nehemiah, you know that the walls are completed, the gates are hung, and there is excitement in Jerusalem. In chapter 8, Ezra stood up to read the word, and for many people, it was their first time hearing it because they had been in Babylonian captivity, remember? And so this is their first time hearing the word of God, and they were so touched by it, they began to weep, and they began to fast, and they began to confess, 
and they began to worship and they prayed. In chapter 9, that was chapter 8, in chapter 9, it's a long prayer of recommitment and acknowledging God was righteous and leading them into Babylonian captivity. Were you with me in chapter 9? Were you with me? Let me do it again since you didn't hear me. Were you with me in chapter 9? Okay, you good. Then you know that that chapter was a, pra- a chapter of, of prayer and recommitment and acknowledging that God is righteous. I want you to look at uh, chapter 9 and verse uh, 36. Look at verse 36 in chapter 9. Here we are, they said, servants today, and the land that you gave our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty, here we are, servants in it. And it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us, the Babylonian kings, because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over us, over our bodies and over our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. In other words, they said, Lord, we are in the circumstances that we're in because we didn't acknowledge your word. They said we didn't take heed to the word of God, and therefore they have been ruled by foreigners, the Babylonians, even to this day. And so there's confession. Are you listening? There's confession and repentance and prayer, and the reading of God's word, and the expositional teaching of God's word. And whenever, wherever you find expositional teaching of the word of God, people are going to walk away understanding what God expects of them. In chapter 8 and 9, they've learned what God expected from them. Now, it's one thing to pray a passionate prayer, and it's another thing to live an obedient life after you say amen. Chapter 9, they pray the passionate prayer. In chapter 10, they make a commitment in obedience to have an obedient life. Chapter 10, the people make a vow to live right. You got a pen? Four things I'm going to give you as it relates to living right in our text and doing right, and I want you to write it down, and then we'll come back and we'll have some comments. Four things as it relates to living right. They made a vow, first of all, if you're taking notes, to right living. We will live separated lives. You're going to find that in verses 28 through 29. And then secondly, they made a vow to right relationships. You're going to find that in verse 30. We won't intermarry. So right living and right relationships. And then thirdly, they made a vow to rest right, to rest right. We'll find that in verse 31. We won't buy stuff on the Sabbath. We'll talk about it in just a minute. And then finally, they made a vow to right responsibilities in verses 32 through 39. We won't neglect the house of God. They made a vow to right living. We'll live separated lives. They made a vow to right relationships. We won't intermarry. They made a vow to rest right. We won't buy stuff on the Sabbath. And then lastly, they made a vow to right responsibilities. In verses 32 through 39, we won't neglect the house of God. I've titled this sermon, The Right kind of vow. 
Nehemiah chapter 10, saints, we pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. amen. Now, those who placed their seal on the document were Nehemiah the governor, the son of Hekeliah, and Zedekiah, and then a bunch of guys. All the way through verse 27. Are you getting me? A bunch of guys. All the way through verse 27. So stop right there. Give me your attention. Chapter 9, the people realized they had been in sin and they decided to change. Collectively, the nation was going to do something about it. And they were going to ratify it by entering a covenant. I want you to look at verse 38 of chapter 9. And because of all of this, we make what, saints? A sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. So they made a sure covenant. Now the words, or the words make a covenant, I want you to write this down. The words make a covenant means to cut a covenant, to cut a covenant. In the ancient world, covenants were not made, they were cut because they usually involve cutting of an animal while making the covenant. To cut a covenant spoke of the fact that both parties were sincere and earnest about keeping their end of the covenant. And think about this. Jesus cut a covenant with us, a covenant in his blood. He promised to save us and fill us, and receive us into heaven. That covenant was cut when Jesus suffered and was beaten. His skin was laid open. Blood was shed, and he died on the cross. He died on Calvary's tree. So a covenant was cut, a covenant in his blood. In the Hebrew language, the word covenant is barit, B-E-R. I-T, berit. It means a covenant, a pact, or a treaty. Covenant is used 270 times in the Bible. A covenant is probably the most important concept in the scriptures. The people in Nehemiah's day, they knew all about covenant. They knew that God is a covenant-keeping God. Can you say amen? amen? And there are several covenants in the Bible. You want to trek with me and just jot a few down? We have a covenant between Adam and Eve. In that day that you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And they did. The covenant with Noah after the flood. Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. You could write that down. The covenant with Abraham. Genesis 15, 8. Genesis 17, 9. A covenant with Isaac. Genesis 19, 21. A covenant with, with Jacob. Genesis 28. A covenant with national Israel after the deliverance from Egypt. Exodus 20, all the way through 23. A covenant with David that one of his descendants will sit on the throne forever. And of course, the new covenant with Israel and the church, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, 
This is a covenant that God promised to give us a new heart, a heart of flesh. Are you listening? And not a heart of stone. Take away that heart of stone. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Memory verse. Take away that heart of flesh, the heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. So in our text, the whole nation cut covenant because they felt something had to be done about the sin problem in the nation as a whole. In verses 1 through 27 are listed, you want to write this down in the margins of your Bibles? 84 leaders willing to put their names on the dotted line for the covenant before God. 84 leaders willing to put their name on the dotted line for the covenant before God. Verses 1 through 8, Nehemiah and the priests signed the covenant. Verse 9 through 13, the Levites signed the covenant. In verse 14 through 27, the civic leaders signed the covenant. And in verses 28 through 39, we have the terms of the covenant. Did you get that? Nehemiah signed the covenant, verse 1 through 8. We're not going to read all these names. If you need a good sleep aid, you might want to go ahead and read those tonight. Nehemiah, the priest, signed the covenant, verse 9 through 13. The Levites signed the covenant, verse 14 through 27. The civic leaders signed the covenant. And then in verses 28 through 39 are the terms of the covenant. And the terms of the covenant begin with point number one. They made a vow to right living. Look at verse 28. Let's read a few verses. Look at verse 28. If you're looking at verse 28, say amen. Now, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nethanims, and all those who had underlined this, separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of the Lord, from the people to the law of the Lord, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding. These joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse, and an oath or vow to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord and his ordinances and his statutes. We would not give our daughters, you know, I'm going to read all the way to verse 39. It's all one cohesive thing. We will not give our daughters in verse 30 as wives to the peoples of the land, nor take wives, nor take their daughters for our sons. If the peoples of the land bought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we would not buy it from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day, and we would forego the seventh year's produce and the exacting of every debt. Also, we made ordinances for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of God. I want you to underline every time you see house of God. For the house of God, for the showbread, for the regular grain offerings, for the regular burnt offerings of the Sabbath, the new moons, and a set feast, for the holy things, for the sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel, and all the work of the, what saints, house of our God. We cast lots among the priests, the Levites, and the peoples for 
bringing the wood offerings into the house of our God, according to our father's houses at the appointed times year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. And we made ordinances to bring first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruits of all trees year by year to the house of the Lord, to bring the firstborn of our sons and the cattle. As it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks into the house of our God, to the priest who minister in the house of our God, to bring the first fruits of our dough. And that's a different meaning back then than it is now. <laughs> to bring the first fruits of our dough, our offerings, the first from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil to the priest, to the storerooms of the house of our Lord, and to bring the tithes of the land to the Levites, for the Levites should receive the tithes in all our farming communities. And the priest, the descendants of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes, and the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the rooms of the storehouse. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offerings of grain, of new wine, and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, and we will not underline this. We, matter of fact, say it with me. We will not neglect the house of our God. Saints, stop right there. Point number one, they made a vow to right living. Verse 28 and verse 29, we will live separate lives. There are 84 names that are mentioned in verses 1 through 27 as a cut covenant, remember? And the rest of the people and everyone who could hear with understanding also cut covenant with God. In verse 29, go ahead and look at it. They said, God, if we don't keep this covenant, may a curse come upon us. Then the Old Testament, listen, has a lot to say about oaths and vow taking numbers 30 verse 2 if a man makes a vow to the lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement he shall not break his word he shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth ecclesiastes 5 4 when you make a vow to god do not delay to pay it for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. And then you fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 34 through 37, Jesus said, but I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is what saints, his footstool, nor by where? Jerusalem. For it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your what? No be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Jesus says, don't swear at all by heaven because it's God's throne or, or the earth because it's his footstool and don't swear by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. And Jesus says, 
Don't even swear by your own head because you can't make one hair white or black. Now, obviously, this is the, before the days of Grecian formula. <laughs> Do they still make that stuff? Or like uh, hair color. This is before those days, obviously. Nowadays, you can make your hair any color you want, and people do. But Jesus says, listen, this isn't a reason to just to say, just let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. The reason Jesus is saying this is because the Pharisees abused oath-taking. Listen, they actually put oath-taking in two, in two classes, the binding vows and the non-binding vows, or the binding cut covenants, and the non-binding cut covenants. And if you use God's name, it was binding, but if you didn't, then it wasn't. So you could say, I swear by heaven or earth or Jerusalem and not use God's name, and you didn't have to keep your oath or your vow. It's almost like I was thinking, like, remember when you were a kid and you used to, like, um, swear, and you would, like, cross your fingers and put them behind your back, and you go, I'm, I I'll do it, I'll do it, I am going to do it. And you got, you know, get your feet... Or, you know, and then if they say, I'm looking behind your back. And you go, oh, okay. And then you cross your eyes. <laughs> You're crossing your eyes. It's almost like if you cross your eyes or you cross your fingers, it nullifies the oath of some sort. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to make a vow. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. But if you make a vow, then it's important to keep it. Did you hear me? If you make a vow, it's important to keep it. Couples, ha gotcha. If you make a vow, it's important to keep it. We live in a culture of covenant-breaking people. Isn't that true? We live in a culture of covenant-breaking people, and that's why when you buy something today or you agree to something, you better get it in writing or they make you sign a stack of papers this thick because people break vows. How quickly we forget, how quickly, how quickly we forget, for better or worse, for richer or poor, for in sickness and in health, until death do us part. We promise to love and to cherish and to honor or until the coming of our Lord. Because we say that in my vows I give, until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How quickly we forget. Love is not a passing emotion. It's a continued devotion. Hmm. You should write that down. Love is not a passing emotion. It's a continued devotion. Marriage is a commitment you make and a vow you take and a covenant you make before the Lord. And I think part of the problem in marriages today is that they don't understand that marriage is cut, cutting a covenant. When you make a vow in the marriage, listen, you're cutting a covenant. Yes, you're cutting a covenant. Malachi 2.14. Yet she is your companion. Write that down. Malachi 2.14. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Marriage is a covenant between a husband and wife. You know, when me and Miss LV uh, got married, and uh, I don't, man, I called you Miss LV. I haven't called you LV in, oh my goodness. I, you know what? At, wow, where'd that come from? 
Well, because I used to call her LV all the time. I mean, probably for 20 plus years of being married, I would call her LV or, remember I used to call you LV? Why did I stop? I don't know. Maybe because we got here and you started calling me Pastor Ronnie, I started calling you Miss E. Because now I changed from LV to Miss E. At least they rhyme, LV, Miss E. You see? Y'all ain't know I was a rapper. I do that in my spare time. <laughs> but, you know, when we first got married, I don't even know why I said that. That was just weird. When we first got married, uh, you know, we didn't really, we didn't only say I do in front of our family and our friends and, and, and you know, uh, uh, frenemies and because uh, we had all kind of people at our wedding. But and, uh, we didn't only say I do in front of all of those people. We said I do most importantly before God. And when someone decides to divorce, it becomes clear that they don't understand covenant. Because when you understand that marriage is a covenant, it's that covenant that is the bond that holds you together. A covenant is stronger than romantic love. A covenant is stronger than what makes you happy. Somebody need to be listening. A covenant is stronger than what makes you happy. A covenant is stronger than romantic love. A covenant is stronger than how beautiful she is. Because you're looking at how beautiful she is. Well, you know, hey, time goes by. Everybody gets older. Should I even have gone down this lane? I don't even know. Well, you know what I'm saying. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.